We're continuing in our study in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 13. Our series has been God-sized operations. We've seen a number of the operations. We saw empowering ops. We saw evangelistic ops. We saw extraordinary ops, part one and part two. And today we're coming into what we'll title exhorting ops or exhorting occupations. There are some exhorting offices in the church. And so that we're going to be looking at that in Acts chapter 13. But before we do that, I I want to emphasize because Acts 13 through Acts 28 really is the beginnings of global missions, global outreach, global, sending out global field workers to convey the message of the gospel. And I'm super encouraged because we, we believe, and it is our heartbeat, that Hillside would be what we would refer to as an Acts 1-8 church, a body of believers that live by and recognize even the Lord's words found in Acts chapter 8, where he said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. Now, I will say that the you should be or you will be uh, is not a, it's not like a commandment, go and be. It is really what I believe more prophetic. You shall be my witnesses. That is going to be the natural byproduct of becoming a follower of Jesus, engaging in God's plan connected to a church, you shall be witnesses. That is what is going to transpire. You will be witnesses. And I believe Acts 1-8 was actually prophetic in Jesus speaking to that church or those uh, early disciples. For we see in the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 2, with the, with the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, the Bible tells us that Peter went out into the streets and he preached the He preached the word of God. He preached the gospel. And on that day, 3,000 in Jerusalem. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. They witnessed and testified in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2. 3,000 added to the church. In fact, so much so that by the time we get to Acts chapter 5, I believe it's verse 28, they're being accused. He says, this doctrine has filled all all of Jerusalem. Wow. So you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Well, by Acts chapter 5, all of Jerusalem was filled with Christ's doctrine, the gospel. And many thousands upon thousands were coming to faith in Christ. Praise God. So prophetically, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Then we come into Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, let me turn back a couple of pages. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Now Saul was consenting to his death. That was the martyrdom of Stephen, the first martyr of the church of Jesus. And it says this. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So here now, the church has gone from Jerusalem, 
full-fledged saturation. Now it's being scattered out into Judea and into Samaria. We go a little further in Acts chapter 8 and listen what it says. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Praise God, multitudes now, Judea, Samaria. And then we come to our text this morning in Acts chapter 13. And I'm going to call this exhorting ops or exhorting occupations. And we're, it's really a part one of a two-part series. And the part one portion of it, I'm going to talk about a little bit more in terms of those uh, occupations, if you will, or those offices in the church, those, those ministries of the Lord. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about what the purpose of the church is. But before we go there, here's what I want you to know about your home fellowship, Hillside. Again, Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And now as we see, these men are going to be sent out, Acts chapter 13, sent out ones, okay? And you'll, we'll hear the text in a moment. But what I want to encourage you with this morning is at Hillside, as an Acts 1.8 kind of church, being witnesses unto Jesus in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, well, our church is kind of right here in this unincorporated Clackamas County, and we've been a church for about 16 years. And we have made an impact. We have been sharing the gospel of Jesus, not only in our school districts, not only in our neighborhoods, not only in our areas of commerce. We have saturated with other churches certainly working together, but we have been doing an effectual job, and God is enabling us to go to our Judea, and our Samarias. We are actively engaged in ministry, not only in Gladstone, where we will have a campus soon, but we are now hitting areas uh, of Happy Valley, Damascus, and Boring. We're hitting spaces in Oregon City, even in West Lynn, and it's been amazing to see. And we're working collaboratively. We even have little touches happening in Sandy and Estacada and around the area where Clackamas County is is kind of our Judea Samaria and our fellowship is actively engaged. We have missionaries that are doing works all around, even in Portland. We have missionaries on the campus down at PSU. We have missionaries down at Oregon State and University of Oregon. And so we are following the example, moving out from our Jerusalem to Judea Samaria and under the ends of the earth. Well, that under the ends of the earth part I'm just so very encouraged. Hillside, when we began our fellowship, missions or sending out field workers was near and dear to my heart and my wife, uh, Dave and Kim. We just love missions. We had been engaged in missions for some eight years previous or maybe nine years previous, where I had been into Romania a number of times. I've been into Slovakia a number of times. I've done stuff in Malaysia and all across, uh, really, Eastern uh, Europe, even down in Chile. I've been down in Chile a number of times. All those things being said, we had a heart 
for the gospel going unto the ends of the earth. So when we launched Hillside, it was our vision and it was our mission that we would support missionaries. Now, we call them field workers. We don't generally use the M word anymore, but we, say our, we, we support field workers in the labors of the gospel. When we launched, we, we supported just a number, just a handful, maybe you know, two, three missionaries. One was in the Netherlands, Steve Kramer. Many of you know Steve. We still support Steve and Julie and their family. They're with CityServe. They're right, I mean, of all places, they're stationed out of Bakersfield, California. But we, we believe in them. We believe in God's call upon their lives. They were in the Netherlands for a number of years, one of our first missionaries. The Regals, uh, they were originally in Germany, and now they're in Switzerland. We still support the Regal family. There was a number of families that we just had relationships with we believed God and so we started supporting them so we were on one continent and we supported a number of missionaries 16 years later and this is so encouraging church praise God and this is not we're not boasting we're, just, we're a small congregation with a big heart and we believe God's word and so we're simply obeying we have some 31 missionaries we rep they represent about 57 countries on this globe, there's only 195 countries on the globe, depending on, you know, there's some variances in terms of who acknowledges Taiwan and maybe some other countries. But nonetheless, that's about 29 to 30% of the entire globe we have represented in works that we have missionaries' feet on the ground, and we, they're like an extension of our church. That's exciting. We, we, um, we're on six of the seven continents Praise God. Praise God. The only continent that we're not on is Antarctica. <laughs> we're looking for missionaries to go to Antarctica. Maybe God's calling you. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'm serious. Anyway, it, guys, we are in Acts 1-8 church. Praise God. We have works happening right here in our Jerusalem. I would say if, if really the state of Oregon was our Judea Samaria, we have missionaries supported, prayed for, and we are connected with, and we're excited to see even witness and testimony of what God is doing in those places. And then we are in this unto the ends of the earth, and God is moving. We have missionaries in Vietnam, thousands of converts happening. So praise God. Our prayer book that we've talked about now for about two and a half months, it is finished and it is getting sent out to the printers. The day we open our doors here, those booklets will be available for you. It's a 31-day prayer guide. It has photographs and the names and prayer requests from our missions field workers. And we want you to be praying for them on a daily basis. We want you to engage. We want God to birth a vision in your heart, a burden for areas of this world where you would maybe pray for those missionaries that are in those places on a daily basis. Maybe a life group would adopt a certain group of missionaries or an area or a continent, whatever that looks like. We want to integrate and connect and communicate with and love on our field workers so that as we engage, we follow the model that was set for us from the church in the very first century. And that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of, and I know you do as well. So praise God. So yay and amen. Let's continue. Let's be faithful. Let's pray, 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 
and uh, let's support, let's put our money where our mouth is, let's get monies going out so they can do the work that God has called them to. Thanks be to God. Okay, let's pick up in Acts chapter 13. In verse 1, it says this. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Let me stop here for a moment. Remember, Barnabas and Saul, who will later be called Paul, in fact, in chapter 13, his name gets changed, Barnabas and Saul were sent out to see what was going on with the Gentiles. And now, verse 25 of chapter 12 says they were returning, uh, returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, so that's where they were. They were at Antioch, and it says this. There were certain prophets and teachers... I want to I come back because these are exhorting operations. These are exhorting occupations. The occupation or the ministry of prophet, the ministry of a teacher. These are ministries of the Lord. And so it says, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, son of encouragement, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaen, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Five guys identified ministry of prophecy, ministry of teaching. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now, Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. They sent them out. They released them to global mission. Now, I want to talk about these ministries. And it's interesting, Paul in the New Testament, five different times in his epistles, he says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning, and then fill in the blank. One of those times is in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me flip over to 1 Corinthians 12, because it's in 1 Corinthians 12, he says these words, now concerning spiritual gifts, Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You'd notice in your text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in that first verse, that the word gifts is in italics. The Greek word translated spirituals, and then the translators add the word gifts for clarification. The word spirituals is pneumatikos. Okay, so it's now concerning spiritual spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The five times that Paul says this, really in the church are probably the five places that there's the most confusion. Well, it's interesting because watch what happens here. It says, verse two, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. 
Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. The, uh, the diversities of gifts, gifts is the word charisma. There are differences of ministries, the Greek word of ministries, diokonia, to serve. And the diversities of activities is the Greek word energema. So you have charisma, diokonia, and energema. Separate activities, separate operations, separate things. And the uh, charisma of the Spirit, the diokonia of the Lord, and the energema of God. And so I see even the Trinity in this uh, description, but the diversities of ministries of the Lord, I believe that they are the gifts of Jesus to the church. The Son of God gives and administrates these ministries. Now, why do I say that? Well, turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this in reference to Christ. And he, verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. It's been called the fivefold ministries of the Lord. Some would describe it as the fourfold ministries of the Lord, not making a differentiation between pastors and teacher, but pastor teacher would be one office, if you will, or one, op uh, one operation there, one occupation. But verse 12 is significant. Now, Jesus himself gave these to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I, I made a little list here of things that apostles, and, and for the purposes of today, because people will call themselves apostles. In the first century, an apostle was named because they had been taught directly from Jesus. And we have textual portions in the epistles where there Paul identifies several others that are also apostles. Okay, so an apostle really means sent out one. And so I would say in today's vernacular, you and I, we would consider missionaries in an apostolic kind of work, sent out doing a new work or in a new place or an unreached people group or a people group that has, you know, has been reached but more needed and they are sent out once. And there are other types of apostolic work, you know, new ministries being launched that can be apostolic. But in, the, in a 
kind of broad brush way we would probably call the most common understanding would be those field workers that are being sent out to foreign works in foreign lands or right here in in america if you will uh so uh, these these ideas or these biblical understandings of what the purpose of the fivefold fourfold ministry of the lord is the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry that's one of the first things the perfecting of the saints, the, the equipping of the saints for the works of the ministry. Every follower of Christ has a work, and we are, the Bible says we are Christ's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So there is a to-do in the kingdom of God to be about our Father's business. You and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. So the work of the ministry is not for the pastor. It's not for the teacher. It's not for the apostle. It's not for the evangelist. It's not, it's not just for those in vocational ministry. It, all of us have a work to do. We all function as a body. Every, every member of the body, we can't say to one another, the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. All of us working together and fulfilling the call of God. And I, my prayer is that as a body of believers, we would be functioning as we're supposed to. Every muscle, every bone, every sinew, every tendon, every, you know, whether it's the nervous system, whether it's the cardiovascular system, whether it's the digestive system, whatever the system is, that it would be functioning well and everyone doing their part. And here's, that, that's, that's a significant thing. Right, Because sometimes we think, oh, well, so-and-so is going to do that, or so-and-so is going to do that, or hey, don't we pay him to do that, or shouldn't this, you know, boom, 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 boom. It's the equipping of the saints to do the works of the ministry. That's you. That's you. That's me, absolutely, but that's all of us doing the works of the ministry. Okay, to build up the body of Christ. So pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, uh, evangelists, to, to build up the body of Christ, to establish unity of the faith. Oh, that we would have a unity of the faith. Boy, it seems like in today's arena, there's all kinds of opportunity for conflict and a chasm that seems to be growing from one position and another position. Well, that ought not be. There's one church. There's one baptism. There's one faith. There's one mission. There's one God. There, we have, we, God is not the author of confusion. There should be unity. Jesus prayed for unity, that they would be one, as, Father, you and I are one. That we would be one that the world would know. I love that some six years ago, when we did, maybe it was seven years ago, when we did the work over at DHS, 16 different churches spent four days together doing work at DHS. And when we were all done and opened the doors back up for them, that coming uh, Tuesday morning, it was President's Weekend, that Tuesday morning, they came in and they were absolutely blown away. It was gorgeous and beautiful. It was like a, a complete facelift, uh, not only in the office area, but in the conference room area, and then all the meeting rooms where vulnerable kids and families that are heartsick because of foster situations. I mean, it, it was amazing, and our church was an integral part of that. But the testimony of the people, when they found out that there were 16 churches working together, 
Do you know, I personally heard people say, we thought this was one church. We had no idea that the churches in our community liked each other and could work together. <laughs> that, was the, that, was, that was their understanding of how church is. Man, these guys don't like each other. They're against each other and they fight. They don't work together. Well, that ought not be. Jesus prayed that they, we would be one and there should be unity. So we need to establish the unity of the faith. Bring the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that teachers, prof, the, the ministry of prophecy. It is really a foretelling of the truth. There is, there is a portion of prophecy that is prophetic in nature, but that generally is not what is occurring. We do see that in New Testament. We certainly see that in the Old Testament. That's a small portion. The predominant thing is the declaring of truth. Teachers unfold the truth. They unfold, they explain, and there's understanding. And so, to bring the knowledge of Christ, to bring the church into a fully matured state, conformed to the image of Christ. Hey, we're supposed to be looking more like Jesus. Well, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, they help that happen. They speak into, they exhort, they build up exhortation, edification, comfort. That is the ministry of prophecy. And so, to establish the saints in the word so to not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Our heartbeat at Hillside is that every single person who calls Hillside home would be biblic biblically literate, that we would know our doctrine so that we would not be tossed to and fro, so that when something that isn't right, we'd be able to immediately identify. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not what the Word of God says. That's not what the Word of God says. So that we would be equipped. And so pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, that is the work to equip the saints for the works of the ministry. And, and let me say this. I'm sure at Hillside, you have had your feelings hurt one time or another, or you have known someone who has the, had their feelings hurt. Maybe something wasn't happening, or a ministry wasn't being provided, or kids weren't being ministered to, or parents weren't being ministered to, or someone who was sick wasn't being ministered. Boom, boom, boom. And you've seen it, and you heard about it, or it happened to you, and you were heartsick about it, and you were hurt. And if that has happened, we apologize. Obviously, we do not intend to bring heart hurt or hardship or heartache but here's what i would say to you if there's a ministry that's missing and we understand that the roles of the fivefold ministry of the gifts of the lord jesus christ to the church is to equip saints for that work you may be aware of that by your own personal experience or by knowing someone who has experienced some level of hurt or some level maybe god would be prompting you to start a ministry that could be going out and praying for people, making phone calls to folks who are shut-ins or someone who's in a hospital to go visit them or to make a phone call to check in, however that is. So whatever those feelings that you may have experienced personally or maybe you know others who have, you'd say, oh, we don't want anyone else to have those feelings. And we know that Pastor Dave or Pastor Matt or Pastor Dennis, they can't do all that. Maybe I'm supposed to engage in it and I can initiate it. Pastor, would this be helpful if we did this? <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. Let's get a few other people on board. Boom, boom, boom. Would that have a burden in that same arena so that we can actually 
minister to one another and it would be the whole body functioning in a healthy way. So all you have to do is review in your own heart and in your own life. How's that impacted me? Wow. Well, I was kind of frustrated at the church because this didn't happen, or I was frustrated that boom, 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 boom. Whatever that is, you say, well, wait a minute. Let me turn that around rather than my, me being frustrated. Let me evaluate that and say, that's something that's missing at our church. I see it. I realize it's a need. Maybe it's something I'm supposed to engage in and I'm supposed to initiate. Not, not necessarily just throw out the idea, hey, we need to do this, but take it a step further, say, I recognize we need to do this and I'm willing to initiate and be a part of the solution. Boy, that can transform a church. And I believe that's the kind of church we have. I believe we have a revolution of volunteerism happening already at Hillside. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. This body of believers, as we grow, there's going to be more people coming in who won't have those same experiences, and we don't want them to get hurt. We don't want them to get frustrated. We don't want, we want to love on and build and create an opportunity for people to find their place of ministry. Well, you can be a part of that. That's exciting. And so what is it that God has called you to? What is it that God has called you to? Because I believe that these works and the church, we, we, when I go back to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 13, I, I have hovered on this first word. Now in the church that was at Antioch, the church that was at Antioch. What is the purpose of the church? What is the mission of the church? What is the purpose? I believe it is to, and, and these ministries are kind of the, 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 the how, how this happens, if you will. Number one, to exalt God. I believe that the children of God, we are to be exalting the Lord. And I believe the pastor, teacher, prophet, apostle, and evangelist, we should be equipping and helping people in a place, in a a congregation setting to worship God, to exalt our heavenly father, to exalt Jesus's son and to exalt the Holy Spirit. And even, even in the exaltation of the Holy Spirit, that we would be listening to the Holy Spirit and not our own flesh. That would be giving him his proper place in our lives, not just our words, but actually our actions, right? So to exalt God. The second is to equip God's people. So this fivefold ministry is to equip God's people. We are to be equipping. Now, when I, when I said exalting God also, I, I want you to notice something in this portion that we read. Listen to what it says. Uh, certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manon, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord. To the Lord. There's ministry for the Lord, and there's ministry to the Lord. They're both significant. If you go back, I believe it's Ezekiel chapter 44, uh, the sons of Zadok, because they hadn't defiled themselves and got into idol worship, the Lord said, the sons of Zadok will worship, excuse me, will minister unto me. The other priests will minister unto the people. That will be doing work for the Lord, 
but the sons of Zadok because they will minister unto me. And I believe that there is a ministry unto the Lord. And I believe that you and I in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we have the opportunity to minister to the Lord. Right? So to exalt God, and then that fivefold ministry to equip God's people for the works of the ministry. Again, it's that ministry to the body of believers and the works that we, with wisdom, living towards those who are on the outside, the spreading of the gospel, the Great Commission, which is that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. And then thirdly, really, is that point. It's to evangelize. So to exalt God, to equip God's people, and to evangelize. And that is the purpose of the fivefold ministry and the body of Christ. That's our vision. That's our mission. And we get to be engaged. You and I ministering unto the Lord. You and I ministering unto one another and being equipped for that work. And all those different pieces that, that I just described a moment ago so that we're not tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine that comes down the pike or when we see some thing happening in the supernatural realm that we're not being deceived, there are lying spirits out there. We gotta make sure that we're in tune and everything aligns itself with the word of God. And so I, I feel like today the exhorting ops, these ministries of the Lord, pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist, Again, for the church to exalt God, to equip God's people, and to evangelize the world. It's the equipping of the saints for those purposes. And I just want to encourage you and I want to ask you, where are you right now? Have you identified the gifts of God in your life? Have you identified how, how you are working that out? Have you found your place to serve? That maybe you say, well, I'm a tendon, or maybe you say, I believe that God's called me to be a bicep, or maybe it's a quadricep, or maybe it's a, 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 a tricep. I don't know. Maybe it's a, 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 a latissima dorsi. I don't know. I probably butchered that name. But wherever you are, if you're a muscle, hey, we got to be in there getting some flexing going on. If you're a bone, a structure person, however that is, finding your place, maybe you're part of the nervous system. Are you engaged in the works of the ministry? Are you engaged in the works of the Lord? Those things that God has said in advance for us to do, are you personally engaged? You can be. And if you just say, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to be engaged. I just don't know what to do. Well, hey, you can send that to us at info at hcfclackamas.org and we'll help you discover your ministry. And it might be a new ministry. If you identify, you say, yeah, when he was talking about being hurt and he was talking about those things, I recognize that. And we need to launch this kind of a ministry. We need to launch this kind of ministry. We're ready to do that through you. That's exciting. And so I want to encourage you in that area. And so today, as we look at these things, these are the, this is part one of these exhorting ops and the exhortation that comes from these, this fivefold or fourfold ministries of the Lord out of Ephesians chapter four and verse 11, and certainly 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first few verses there. These ministries of the Lord that he gave to the church to build the saints up. What, where, where do I fit in that? Where do I fit in that? And... Uh, then, just by way of reminder, us being an Acts 1-8 church, 
Am I engaged on a full-scale level? I have the ministries of the Lord right here in my Jerusalem, in my own home church, and how I'm serving there. And what do I have going on under the ends of the earth kind of stuff? And we want to encourage you to engage in that. Engage in prayer. Engage in your... In your the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Well, if your heart is in the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations... We get to put our treasure there also. We want to just invite you to be a part of that. And if you're watching today and you've not given your heart to Jesus and you've heard just encouragements about the church going out and making a difference in, in the community, and I, I mean our church, but I mean Big C Church, where the church of Jesus Christ is out doing good works. And you say, I want to be a part of that. And I recognize today that I'm a sinner. And you know, this is, this is amazing because it is in Acts chapter 13 that Saul changed his name to Paul. Are you ready for this? Saul means a requested one, requested one. So you go back to uh, the first king of Israel, the people said, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. God gave them their requested one, King Saul, man's king. I won't go into all those details, but here again, here is a Saul requested one, but as he is humbling himself, in the presence of the Lord. He doesn't want to be called the requested one, the man in demand. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the guy in that Pharisee circle, in the Sanhedrin circle. He was there giving his approval at Stephen's martyrdom. He was the guy. Well, the man in charge or the man in demand, he says, I'm not that guy anymore. Changed his name to Paul. Paul means little, little. After Paul walked with the Lord for a period of years, he even went as far as to say, now I'm a sinner. He, he declared, I'm just a sinner. And then kind of at the end of his days, his understanding of himself was chief of sinners, chief. Seems like the closer he got to the Lord, the more he realized his deficit. Well, Maybe today you're discovering for the very first time your own deficit. You say, I'm a sinner. I'm little. I'm away from God. And I need the work of Jesus in my life. The gospel is good news. Jesus died in your place. The Bible tells us our sin separates us from God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the word says. And so if it says all have, you have. You've sinned and you fall short of the glory. And the only thing that can make you rightly related before God is the offering that Jesus made upon the cross when he died a substitutionary death for you. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead, and we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, and we receive his lordship in our lives, and we receive his atonement. The Bible says it's by faith we have been saved. So we exercise our faith and say, yes, I lay claim to what Christ has done for me, and we receive Jesus. We receive his atoning work, and it makes a covering for our sin. Christ paid the penalty of your sin. The wages of sin is death. Christ died for you. Praise God. We need to lay hold of that. If you would like to receive Jesus this morning, we would love to pray with you. The Bible, again, says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I want to pray with our fellowship this morning, and if you would like to receive Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in just a moment. But Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name for our church. We just ask God, as there are many who are serving in these occupations, Lord, these exhorting offices, these exhorting occupations, these exhorting ops, pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, and evangelist. And so, Lord, as we are seeking to exalt God and lead this congregation in the exaltation of you, God, may you be glorified. Lord, as we are looking to equip the saints, equip the children of God, equip our brothers and sisters for the works of the ministry. I pray that everyone who calls Hillside home would find their ministry, find their place to serve, and serve with zeal. Not as unto men, but as unto you. Whatever we do, let us do it heartily as unto the Lord. I pray that there would be many new ministries being birthed so that people's lives can be fulfilled and be satisfying and can be, uh, we can be touching people's lives and encouraging them and there would be no hurts in the church and that people would be being built up. And then finally, Lord, that we would be about the Great Commission evangelizing that Acts 1-8 stuff, we shall be witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the ends of the earth. I pray that every, every family member would be about the Great Commission. So God, be glorified. Now, for Lord, those who would like to join the family of God, we simply say, Lord, thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for mankind. And if we would but extend our reach and apprehend and say, I believe, I believe, Jesus is Lord. Will you, Jesus, be the Lord of my life? Come into my life, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of unrighteousness, and may I be born again. I believe that, God, you raised Christ from the dead. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live every day to bring glory to you from this day forward. I ask all these things in Jesus' name, and I give you thanks, and I rejoice Because if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says your name is written in heaven. Your name has been written in the book of life in heaven. And the Bible says you're saved. Your sin is forgiven. You have been born again, and you are a child of God. If you don't have a home church, Hillside is a place where you can come and you can grow, you can learn, you can get engaged, and you can be a part of a great family. If you don't live in this area and you've been watching this on our online platform, if you let us know, again, at info at hcfclackamas.org, you let us know where you're living, we will help you find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church and a group of people who will fall in love with you. You'll be able to fall in love with them and be a part of the family of God and engage, find your ministry and get, be a part of what God is doing there. We want to help you. 